When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hoff on the Mullane Haw Show at 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune, covers the Bears down at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. You can listen to us at the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app, or you can watch us on the 670 The Score YouTube page. Busy week in Indy, Dan. You're doing a great job down there, but there has been a lot of interesting stories, a good developments in terms of other prospects and what the Bears are doing, who they're talking to. They're playing darts in Ryan Poles' room. <laughs> but the whole new cycle hijacked by the Jalen Carter development, that is the biggest story in the NFL this week. It's big enough that it was on the network newscast on third, on uh Wednesday night when it broke. So how would you describe the week that you've had and how the Jalen Carter news has affected everything else? Yeah, I mean, let's start with the Jalen Carter news because obviously that's the most landmark thing that has happened down here in Indianapolis this week. And you have a player that uh, was in line to be the number one overall pick and certainly in consideration uh, for that slot having to return to Georgia and turn himself in and, and post bail and <laughs> be arrested on two misdemeanor charges in conjunction with a, a connection with a, a fatal car accident. And so it's a very messy, evolving, fluid situation that a lot of teams now have to spend a lot of extra time and effort getting their arms around, right? This is going to be a stretch here in the next two months where um, the comfort level of teams is going to be tested and, and, and there's going to have to be very serious internal discussions uh, that involve people above the front office in, in a lot of buildings to try to figure out how do you process this situation with Jalen Carter? How does it affect what you do with your decisions heading into the draft? Certainly the Bears are right in the epicenter of that entire discussion. So we're going to get into all of that with the details. We are also going to talk about who the Bears have maybe talked to this week and the impression some other guys have made. We'll get into your deep dive in the Chicago Tribune and chicagotribune.com about Justin Fields and what the book is on Justin Fields. Yeah. You talk to a lot of people and got some really great stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a long read, but it's worth your time. Let's start with the Jalen Carter stuff, though, because he, on March 1st, goes back. He, first of all, leaves Indianapolis after the story breaks at 9 o'clock in the morning. 
He leaves the combine, returns to Athens, Georgia. By that night, I think around 1045 on Wednesday night, he uh, turns himself in. The arrest warrant is issued. He spends 16 minutes in police custody at the athens Clark County Jail. He's charged with misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing, pays $4,000 bond, and he's out. And then there are reports that he's going to has returned to Indianapolis for measurements and interviews. First of all, before we get into the implications, I don't know who's giving him advice because he issued a statement, all caps, on social media that he will be exonerated. And then he goes down, pays his bond, and returns for interviews, probably going to be asked questions he can't possibly answer. I, I just think overall, Dan, this is a very curious story about somebody making some very questionable decisions, and he continues to make them. They're trying not to hide from it at a time that's very pivotal uh, in the direction of where this young man's football life is going to head. But there's obviously more serious topics here. And that's why it is, David, so complex and so layered. And there are so many things that, that teams have to figure out how to get comfortable with. Even before this story came out this week, I had people I entrust implicitly in the league say, look, like this kid has maturity issues. There are some things that are high maintenance about him that you're going to have to, as an organization, try to sort through and get your arms around. This complicates that tenfold, 20-fold, 30-fold, whatever it may be, because now you're trying to look more deeply into a situation where there were people who lost their lives and people that were part of the same Georgia Bulldogs football program that Jalen Carter played in. And there are a lot of mysterious question marks in there. I understand the approach to try to hit this head on and not hide from it. And I think that's some of the decision-making that's going on with Jalen Carter and his camp, but there is no easy solution. And it is a, a, a very tricky thing to go through. And like we say, it's a, as we record this episode, it's March 2nd and you're talking about the NFL draft now, you know, about eight weeks away uh, for everybody involved to try to get their arms around a, a situation that is, again, fluid, evolving, and, and may only get messier from here. I don't know how you treat this like somebody who got busted with pot in his back pocket. Correct. Or, or, or drinking and even even uh, pulled over for DWI, whatever the case may be. This is something that he is accused of, according to the police report. This isn't us you know, making things up. According to the police report, he drove away from the scene of an accident that resulted in the fatalities of what you just described. Two young people lost their lives. Jalen Carter left the scene. Then he returned. Then he lied to police. Then he kept quiet. And this was all kept very quiet up to the point where Jalen Carter meets with the general manager of the Carolina Panthers on Tuesday night. This doesn't come up. Because nobody's aware that there's an arrest warrant issued for Jalen Carter. If you're Jalen Carter, don't you have some sort of obligation to at least say, hey, you know, uh, if you do take me, this might be around the corner. I just don't know if there's any accountability. So I, I think that there are some serious questions about his character that already existed that are now compounded. And, Dan, I, I think that, again, there are all kinds of issues that that – already with the legal jeopardy that he might find himself in, but the civil litigation remains mm -hmm. unresolved. If you draft Jalen Carter, you better be ready for crisis management 101 because you're going to deal with issues. Number one, this one, and then who knows right. what's coming next. Well, so there's a couple parts to this. And number one, like on Wednesday morning, Nolan Smith, who's a standout on that Georgia defense, does his 
interview session here at, at the combine and stands up at the podium and basically says, this is the first time I've talked about this openly about this car accident in which we lost people that were close to us in our football program. And he starts breaking down a little bit and shedding some tears over a very, very serious situation. And so it traces back to kind of this balance beam that everyone has to walk here in understanding that this is a very serious real life situation that now has also bled into the, the world of football, which it can be really hard to juggle those two things at once. That is, something the Chicago Bears have to do now going forward here and figure this out. And we don't have a track record with Ryan Poles to know what his level of risk aversion is or risk tolerance is, right? And so this period of free agency in the draft that's going to come up here in the next two months will be a test of, of you know, you, you can talk all about culture and character, your actions with who you sign and, and what you're willing to reward them with will speak to that. And like, like his predecessor, right? Like Ryan Pace, for the most part, stood behind his belief that we're not going to bring in guys with with messy past and yet went out and signed Ray McDonald <laughs> in one of his his first major moves and that obviously blew up in their face very, fairly quickly they had to release Ray McDonald and everything went haywire and so the, the, you know there are these tests here for a young unproven general manager to sort through and figure out what do we want to do here i think david my hunch and you can tell me if you agree or not is that the bears are going to steer way away from jalen carter here regardless of how talented they see him on film and understanding of how disruptive he could be on their defense. Well, I was curious what your hunch would be because that would be mine. And it's only based on the fact that maybe I can't get past this kind of philosophical, psychological barrier where I can't really rationalize how they would do anything except for be ultra cautious and stay away. And you, you mentioned the McDonald situation. I, I, I know that uh, George McCaskey prides himself in hiring people and letting them do their jobs and staying out of football business and matters like that. But he can't possibly withhold that kind of uh, information or, or he can't possibly sit back and not share that experience with Ryan Poles. And number one, how badly it backfired on the Bears organization and secondly, how badly it backfired on George McCaskey in terms of his damage to his reputation. He well, went in, and then it, it, it didn't pay off. I, I think that's got to be part of this. If they're having this conversation in the Bears organization at Hallis Hall or whatever they're doing about what to do about Jalen Carter, that's got to come up. In conjunction with that, David, Kevin Warren was hired in part to help be a sounding board for Ryan Poles in complicated decisions and have discussions that stimulate uh, productive thought as you work forward toward those decisions that can be truly landmark in a lot of different ways. And so um, you would think, uh, you know, Kevin Warren hasn't officially started on the job, but you would think that, that, that those phone lines are open and Ryan Poles should be on the phone with, you know, who is going to be his direct overseer to to talk about this and say, hey, here's how we've got him graded. Here were some of our concerns. Is this a situation where we take him completely off the board? You know, because again, we're talking about a, a, a possibility where the bears trade down right and then maybe they get outside of the top five and there's now a possibility that jalen carter will be sliding down the draft board because teams will say not not interested you know not right. not going to take that risk and so now that discussion becomes uh not just the guy that you would you consider taking him at one or two what if he's there at nine and you've gotten your way back to nine? well now you've got a whole different uh equation to sort through but 
to your point, I don't think you can stand up there for a year plus if you're Ryan Poles and Matty Berflus and talk about culture and talk about principles and talk about having guys in that building that do everything the right way and then make this one of your biggest headline-grabbing acquisitions of the biggest offseason of the 21st century for the Chicago Bears. You're, you're trying to build credibility, not destroy it. And, and I just don't know how you build it if you contradict everything that you claim to have stood for in the first year on the job. And that is as simple as that. And to refresh the memory of some Bears fans who might be thinking, what the heck are they talking about, Ray McDonald? Okay. It is, <laughs> it is going back a ways. It's going back to 2015. Was it 15? Yeah, so that's Ryan's, that's Ryan's first year. Yeah. It was Ryan Pace's first year when he was trying to build his own platform and, and talking about the things that, you know, the platitudes that young general managers talk about before they have to get their hands dirty a little bit. March 24th, 2015, Ray McDonald signs with the Bears. He had some things in his past. He was – he was reported to being investigated for a possible sexual assault. There was some things that with the 49ers, he encountered the Bears, signed him anyway on March 24th, 2015. On May 25th, yep. about two months later, he was released after being arrested on charges of domestic violence and child endangerment. So he ran into trouble again. And, and that was and it. That was it. And George McCaskey at the time that they signed him had vouched for him, if I recall correctly. Correct. And it was something that backfired. And it, and, it, and it should be a lesson that they don't forget, even though it was eight years ago. As a beat guy, you remember where you were on the dates that you just mentioned. And the signing occurred while we were at the owners meetings in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And I recall having this emergency session with George McCaskey because someone from the organization had to come forward and explain how they found themselves to a comfort level in making the signing to begin with. And if you remember, George kind of stepped in it in that session and saying, listen, like we spoke to Ray's parents and they speak very highly of them. Well, there probably were four or five other people that you probably wanted to reach out to and get some thoughts on before you made a signing that large. Then you mentioned May of, of, of when the next legal transgression occurred, and that's Memorial Day. It was literally Memorial Day weekend. I recall being out playing golf with my with my family and being like, oh, this is one of those NFL stories. Stop everything you're doing. Ray McDonald is, is in legal trouble, and we're going to see if the Bears truly had a zero-tolerance policy with having him there. He was quickly out the door, never played a snap as a Chicago Bear. And that, like you said, it was, it was embarrassing for the franchise. It was also embarrassing on a level that's like five levels below what we're talking about with Jalen Carter, who, if you were to draft him, would become one of the – I don't want to say faces or voices of the franchise, but he'd be one of the guys that you're plastering on billboards, right? Like, and, and saying, this is one of our key acquisitions. And that I don't know would sit real well with a leadership team that, that wants to build something according to a vision of like, we're going to do everything correct. Oh yeah. I remember where I was when Ray McDonald <laughs> got cut because it was May, it was Labor Day, Memorial Day weekend. I was in Anaheim covering the Blackhawks against the Ducks for the Tribune. And I wasn't happy having to write a Ray <laughs> McDonald column before watching a little hockey. Don't interrupt my hockey. Uh, so, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, you know, you're right about Jalen Carter. When you're talking about next year and you're talking about this rebuild and the, the project and how immense it is, you want people at the front of it that you can, that will help you sell hope, not cynicism. You need somebody to kind of change the, the narrative, not repeat history. And I think that's the part that is hard to quantify, but easy to identify, right? Because yeah. Jalen Carter at the front of this, because of everything he's going through now, and frankly, the stuff that was already kind of whispered behind the scenes tells me if I'm the Bears, no matter how dangerous he – that's the wrong word. No matter how 
disruptive of a football player he can be, I don't know if you are in a position where you can take that risk. Well, I don't think we're going to get a lot of clarity on this until after the draft ends. It doesn't really benefit the Bears to even on background sort of administer where they are in their philosophies and their thought processing on this very specific matter. But I do think that when we get beyond the the draft, there are going to be opportunities to be like, okay, how did you guys sift through that, right? And then get some some more clarity to, to what their processes were and what they thought. And that th- those sessions can be very telling about the way a regime wants to operate and the vision they have and how they, um, you know, navigate around <laughs> obstacles. And this is a big one. And to, to go along with that, David, I think there is this, um, there's been a consensus that defensively the top two guys in the draft are, are Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. And then you sit and you listen to Will Anderson talk on uh, Wednesday and, and you feel his passion for the game. You feel his commitment to work. You feel all of the things that Matt Eberflus says he wants in a football player just oozing off of Will Anderson and you say, okay, this also helps you get comfortable in making a decision on Jalen Carter because you have another option potentially if you're going to stay at number one or depending on where you move back to, that makes perfect sense and that you would have zero regret on rolling the dice. Whether it worked out or not, you would look back and say, well, we don't regret that. And so sometimes regret factor comes into these decisions on if it fails, why will it fail? And did we see the failure coming in advance? And with Jalen Carter, it's obviously a lot messier than it would be with a guy like Will Anderson. Will Anderson seemed like like he was straight out of central casting in for the bears, right? Like just the, yeah. the ideal front man for this kind of project, the ideal guy you put in a locker room and you, and he says, follow me. He's young. He's aggressive. He's dynamic. He's got charisma. Everything that he said during his podium time, you're like nodding your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want that guy, football guys, football guy. I mean, this is who you want leading the, leading the charge. One more little question detail wise about, Jalen Carter, he came back to Indianapolis to meet with teams and to be measured and all the th- different things at the combine. I think that's bad advice. It doesn't matter what I think. Are the Bears among the teams, to your knowledge, that were on the list of, to meet with Jalen Carter? I do not know. I do not know. And so we'll dig around on that a little bit more. Uh, we'll see how, kind of how this unfolds before the this event ends. And then it's all about figuring out what the next steps are. You'd imagine there's going to be some activity at Georgia for a pro day. There's going to be a lot of opportunity Um you know, the Bears will have an opportunity to bring Jalen Carter into their building at some point on a top 30 visit, if so desired. And and that would give them more time and full day to try to digest some of this. It's going to be really uh, compelling to figure out which direction they go with this and then to kind of hear their explanations for how they went with it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So if they do remove him from the draft board, Dan, and you're talking about Will Anderson being likely to be 
the number one position player, maybe the number one player overall on their draft board. And what that does is it, it devalues the top of the draft, which isn't good for the Bears. But to me, I think it sets up a quantity versus quality debate or, or crystallizes that because the quantity you could look at, all right, if you're number one and you, there's only Will Anderson to maybe choose from, and it's not, or not to choose from, but is there without Jalen Carter, do you trade down and accumulate picks because you need, you need volume, you need talent, you're so bereft of everything on your depth chart, or the quality – of a Will Anderson, if he's the next Micah Parsons, if he's a guy that you think is generational, uh, a generational talent, do you go no lower than two with the Texans and guarantee that you're going to get him? Because if you don't, if you, if you think that the Cardinals won't take him, I think you're being foolish because they right. likely would. So does it does it change your thinking to that degree? Is it you know quantity versus quality? No lower than two versus going into the teens. Is it that kind of debate now? Well, I think it was always going to be that kind of debate, and I think they have to just get themselves comfortable with a lot of different guys, right? And I think that's the, one of the challenges that Ryan Poles and his staff have is to put together a best case vision and then another vision and another vision and be really, really satisfied with all the visions they lay out because there's going to be a lot of things that, that are out of their control that will dictate kind of which, which path they need to go down. I do think that this team is very accepting of their current plight and their current plight is that they need players on every level of every unit of their football team. And so they understand that quantity argument and are, are very um, ready to move in a direction. If those options present themselves to add as many possible players as possible over the, the, the one quality guy, I think it, it would have to be a super, super special situation where you say 100% we want that guy and we're willing to sacrifice the, the promise of potentially getting three or four other guys this year, next, and possibly in 2025. Impossible to answer, but then does it diminish or devalue what that pick is eventually worth? Because if Jalen Carter is still a football player that somebody's going to draft – but he's likely to drop because his value in character has now not what it was a week ago or before these charges. Does it diminish and devalue the number one pick and what the Bears are going to be able to get for that pick? So they might have to, uh, dare I say, settle for maybe the best offer. And it might not be as good as it w would have been made before all this news broke. So there's two parts of that. I think the the idea that likely to fall label is there is it's dependent on teams right like and, and if the houston texans just decide hey we do some <laughs> risky things we're going to do another one and just decide to take him at number two then then there you have it right then he doesn't fall and then and then there's things there i think there's a, a sense within the league that's buzzing through here this week that the, that the prospect of the bears being able to fully squeeze the most out of a trade for this number one pick isn't maybe as large as the city of Chicago has dreamed it's going to be. Like, I don't know that the, the Indianapolis Colts are hell bent on getting up the board. And some of that depends on how these quarterback evaluations shape up in the, in the next month and how they firm up in that regard. But you've got to just be ready for the idea that, that some of these things that you dreamed about won't happen.
you know, and that, that's where I think I think Ryan Poles is on top of that, um, both in free agency and the draft, that there are some some things that, that may not go ideally. You want the ideal things to happen, but you have to be ready if they don't. And this is one of those ones where I just right now, the, the buzz out of Indianapolis isn't like, oh, my God, there's going to be a stick up uh, for, for the you know what you can get for the number one pick. And so we'll see how that changes in the weeks to come. I think you heard some of that from Chris Ballard, whether or not yes. he's posturing or not, but it did make a point and reinforce what you just said. I also wonder if it did bring the Bears, if we're not going to be fixated on either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, you start to consider other possibilities. Tyree Wilson is a gargantuan mm-hmm. defensive lineman, six yeah. foot six, 276 pounds from Texas Tech. He also made a strong impression, Dan. I sense that you were probably there or aware of what he had to say. How would you describe the impact he made this week and how much he might have helped himself? Look, I mean, I, I think that's a guy with some of that think big ambition, you know, and, and, and a guy who openly would talk about the Chicago Bears and saying, like, if I was in line to be selected by them, either at one, six, eight, nine, whatever it may be, like, I'm ready to come in and, and, and be an engine for what you're trying to build there that's a guy that you talk to talent evaluators and daniel jeremiah the nfl network has said this for weeks now that like there is a an increasing buzz that the gap between will anderson and tyree are is not as large as maybe you thought two three months ago and that you put on the tape and you understand why because there are things here that um we talk about traits and training, right? And he's got traits. And if you can put him in a system that that allows him to be trained to bring out the most in those traits on the NFL level, then you feel really good. You know, and some staff somewhere is going to see that and say, we can, we can, we can work with this. We can take this block of clay and turn this into something wonderful. And so he's going to, he's going to be a real interesting name. Cause I think you're going to start to hear his name more and more as we lead up to the draft. And all of a sudden he's going to be one of those guys that catches that. I know I never liked the phrase shooting up the draft board because that, you know, as well as I do that, that's doesn't really happen it's just the phrase shooting up the draft board means more people are talking out loud about so and so right and that that's really what that means and i think he's going to be one of those i want to leave plenty of time for the justin field story i only have one more direct question about the draft and what this implications might be from this week back in 2016 the the rams moved up from 15 to number one they made the trade for jared goff because they were fixated on him and the titans were willing to go lower because they they felt like they didn't need a quarterback at that point they wanted to just they they made the deal and now the bears i wonder how this affects their willingness or the likelihood that they would go be willing to go into the teens or go to, to trade with the team down there if for the right package and if they wouldn't worry so much as i alluded to earlier not being in a position to take either Carter or Anderson because Carter's taken himself out of the mix. So I wonder, does that increase in your mind the number of teams that might be willing to make a deal or the Bears might be involved with in terms of uh, bargaining? And secondly, if they do find themselves (laughs) in the teens, doesn't it change the the risk-reward calculus it's different when you're drafted first. It's different when you're drafted fifth. It does. It is. When you're in the teens, you're in a position maybe you could gamble more. I'm sorry. That's somebody's going to probably take Jalen Carter around that time, and you wonder if they move down, wouldn't that be something if they are still in a position to take a lesser gamble and get the same player? Well. Uh- I don't think that there is a player in this draft that would create a move from someone in the teens to get all the way up to where the bears are at because the cost of it would be so prohibitive and so restrictive. And so there isn't a generational guy. Caleb Williams isn't here. Andrew Luck isn't here. There's not 
a Peyton Manning in this draft where you say, let's let's do everything we can to get up there, particularly when you're, go- you know, you can move up from 23 to 12. It, the cost isn't anywhere near what it would be to go from like 14 to one, you know, and so that's the, where I think that would be restricted a little bit. I think you hear um, the Bryce Young discussion here in Indianapolis, and it's really consistent when you talk to people who know that position. And there is a belief that from a, a football playing standpoint, that Bryce Young is next level special. And yet people can't get around the size and whether the durability would be there for him to withstand 17 games of getting beat around by NFL level grown men, you know? And so, so there's like, I I said it on 670, the score earlier on Thursday, that there's almost a frustration on like, it's so aggravating for, for, for talent evaluators to see everything they want from a guy as a player, as a leader, as a guy who processes and sees and understands everything, but yet can't get around the measurables. And so that's going to be the one here in the, in the coming months where it's going to be really interesting to see the team that does get itself around the measurables or talks themselves into the idea that the measurables aren't a problem and just what that does to, to Bryce Young's value. Because, man, you you hear some really, really high praise for just the football player himself. And I don't recall uh, anyone in recent memory that's generated that level of, of just belief in who he is as a player hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as i sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're going to move on from the draft. There's going to be plenty of other times during our podcast to discuss the implications of Combine Week and what the Bears are going to do or think. And, of course, the latest on Jalen Carter right here at Take the North Podcast. But in ChicagoTribune.com, dropped on Thursday morning, uh, what – What's the book on Justin Fields around the NFL? The Chicago Bears quarterback has to figure out the simple to get to the next level. Deep dive, Dan. Very well done. Uh, I am very curious on, on number one, how you think the whole thing went down and how, how what your biggest takeaway was. I'll tell you my, again, very oversimplified brief summary of, of what I got out of it was thoroughly reported. Um uh, that goes without saying, but when when the focus and the headline was kind of like my takeaway, Justin Fields, the consensus seems to be around the league, what we saw here locally, without being critical and just being objective, mm-hmm. he's got to do the routine things more routinely, and you get you do that, and you combine that with the special, then you're talking about a quarterback you can win because of and certainly win with. Well, David, now that the story is published, it's given me a chance to kind of step back from from months worth of reporting. And this started for me at the end of the regular season. And um, you recall, we played some of my training camp interview with Luke Getze back in the summer and kind of the bar he was setting for Justin Fields ascent in, in their first season together. And the chance at the end of the year after Justin made his final start in Detroit to revisit with Luke kind of where he thought he went was kind of the entry point for this story because Luke, as we've talked about many times, is very direct. He's very candid. He doesn't sugarcoat a lot of stuff. He doesn't hide a lot of stuff. And so you had this very um, honest, direct, on-the-record 
insight from Luke Getze that you could then cross-check with, with what people around the league see, those who have played against Justin or prepared for Justin or uh, just have, have studied it. Because there are people that said, look, like when you get into February and you hear these conversations on like, you know, there's the, the chance that the Bears could trade Justin Fields, of course you do a little more homework and you start watching him a little more to be like, okay, what's there? And what, what didn't I see last season? My biggest takeaway from the entire thing, David, and I think this should give Bears fans a lot of satisfaction and just comfort, is that there is nothing that the league sees that the people at House Hall don't see. There's nothing that 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 the Bears believe inside House Hall in Justin Fields that isn't acknowledged by people around the league. Is yeah, that's that's potentially special. There's some great things to work with. And by the same token, the things that the rest of the league says, man, like these are the flaws. These are the concern areas. The people inside the building at House Hall, including Justin himself, own those and they wrap their arms around those. And it gives you a a a very clear picture of who Justin Fields is now what the Bears hope he can become and the path to get there. And you mentioned some of it is just about, I think the the phrase I used in the story was his ability to borrow a basketball analogy to, to shoot a higher percentage from inside the paint, right? Like right. make the easy shots. We don't, we know you can be Damian Lillard out deep on the perimeter and, and, and hit three pointers from, you know, 35 feet. Well, now let's figure out how to hit some mid range games, jumpers, every single possession to the point where it stacks into efficiency, which then leads to, to points, which then leads to team success and all those things. So there's a lot there, and I've got a handful of numbers that we can go through um, just as we continue this discussion. Well, I think also one of the guys you talked to was said, put it in the context in, in terms of don't always try to create the highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, take the check down because it's okay to do that. And that's part of the maturity level. I think a couple of things stood out to me was that, you know, you don't realize because you might, you, you might be in the midst of the season and, and so, you know, focused on week to week that they didn't score more than 20 points after Thanksgiving in a game. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, like honestly, David, I had, to, I had to like fact check that three times really easy to do but it didn't compute in my brain because we were stuck in this tornado of like you know justin 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 and you're like they didn't touch 21 points after thanksgiving like it was hard to wrap your brain around and and related to that is that you know just his numbers in the fourth quarter they weren't good and i think that when you talk about his growth and we got a lot of grief about you especially you know he needs to learn how to win in this kind of you know, parsing the language, it was never really about that as much as you're in the, you're in the fourth quarter of games in the NFL. You've got to be better. And you just, whether it's leading a two minute drive or just being better in the fourth quarter, that's when you make your money and that's when teams win their games. So I think that is to me also, you talk to people and it reinforced that because around the league, they noticed the same things we saw in Chicago. No question. And, and I'll just go back to this because I do think that every time we've talked to Ryan Poles, every time we've talked to, to Luke, anytime we've talked to Matt Eberflus, I think they have told you what the rest of the league is saying in indirect ways and direct ways at times of saying like, look, like we love the direction Justin is headed. We're also not comfortable with where he at is, right? And 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 so there is an ownership of that that like <laughs> they can take this very sober view of this entire evaluation because they're not fully attached to it as if they had drafted him, right? And and right. and so they can more grounded with it. And I think that should give you a lot of comfort as a Bears fan that they will find their way to the right assessment and that Justin's engaged on this. The other part is what you talked about, be a closer, right? Like Patrick Mahomes has music that comes on, you know, theoretically when it's time to close games, you just know, he's coming out of the bullpen. He's going to, you know, throw nine strikes and you're going to have a celebration at the end of it. And so Justin to, to, to make that next jump as a quarterback has to be situationally good. He's got to be good on third down inside the red zone. And then when you get into close games in the last, 
10 minutes of a football game, figure out how to close those things out. That, sentiment is shared league-wide on like that is a huge leap that a quarterback has to take certainly one he can make but that's something in 2023 that that we can't get to this point next year and just be like well he can eventually figure it out because it's time now for him to to show like i've got the closer gene and the other sentiment which we can't ignore because it's the most obvious one i think is that you're writing this story the bears are in this situation because there is this internal belief that he is their guy because he is special and he has this quality that you don't always count on and you're not always going to find in the draft uh, because of what he proved uh, beginning maybe in earnest with the, the night in Foxborough. And he does have these qualities that you want to and can justify building around when you give him an offensive line and you give him some weapons. Dan, I, I think that there's a realization that came through uh, as you went through the entire every chapter that this is a special player. It's just finding ways to make him improve himself and also improve the the you know the team around him and and be able to appreciate and benefit from those special talents. So right, like before I came to record this podcast, I, I sat with Bigsy for a little while and Bigsy had just had a discussion in the last 24 hours with someone around the league who 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 legitimately said like Justin Fields is every bit as talented, probably more so than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate, had his team winning in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl or at the halftime of a Super Bowl anyway and and threw for 300 plus yards in the Super Bowl. When you hear those things as a Chicago Bears fan, you go, okay, there's a lot here. Now the cross section of that is it is going to take the Bears an awful long time to get a roster that resembles anything like the Philadelphia Eagles had in 2022. That's not happening for the 2023 Bears. It's probably not happening for the 2024 Bears. So the Bears are going to have to make this massive decision on what Justin Fields' long-term potential is as a quarterback well before they have a roster that's able to be as good as the Philadelphia Eagles was in 2022. So we can play those comparison games, but it's just never going to be a reality game for the Chicago Bears on the timeline that they're on and so people have got to wrap their brains around that i don't disagree with the idea that if justin fields played with the 2022 eagles he is more than capable of playing in the super bowl and being an mvp candidate well now he's going to be in a situation in chicago where he's going to be the guy that has to elevate everything around him and ryan like to, to, to a lot of people's point it, this puts a lot on ryan's shoulder as well to build him the supporting cast that he needs to to be a lifter right and, and a multiplier as ryan would call it and so we're going to see what direction that goes it's going to be fascinating because I think they understand that like we can't um, downplay the opportunity we have here to take this swing with this very special talent and this guy who showed electric playmaking ability as a runner well now can he pass regularly in a way that that it, um, creates NFL level passing game success before we get out of here what were some of the numbers that you think stood out to you that you wanted to accentuate and anything else about just in the reporting that came through that you maybe you weren't even able to get into the story as long as it was i know there's always something that doesn't make the cut yeah um well first of all justin has made 25 career starts now right and he's got 162 passing he averages 162 passing yards and one touchdown per game i use that in the story uh, compared against Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is Ryan Poles's, <laughs> you know, that's his background, his, his standard, what he's seen there. And Patrick Mahomes averages, you know, more than two touchdown passes and 300 yards per game over his entire career, which is coming up on 100 starts, you know, regular season and postseason combined. So that was like a notable, like, whoa, there's a big gap to close to get into that upper tier of, you know, top five quarterbacks. I thought the one number in addition to not touching 21 points after Thanksgiving was 
breaking Justin's starts into to five set start increments and seeing that the final five starts in terms of production, 277 yards and 17.2 points per game was almost identical to the first five starts, which was 274 yards per game and 17.2 points per game. And I think we lost that somewhere in the discussion that, my God, the end of the year struggles were as pronounced as the early year struggles. They were just kind of pushed to the background because there was that adrenaline rush for 21 days in October and November that gave people the feeling like there was a permanence to this. We were and somewhat blinded by the the middle five games you know they, they created this sort of buffer because it was so exciting yeah and there, and there was such an adrenaline rush to that so that's part of it um i i did like the analogy and maybe because i can relate to this as a mid-40s male that like this is like a a, a trip to the physician when you're reviewing justin fields's uh game and that that you should see it as okay there's nothing that when justin leaves the office say hey head to the hospital, get some urgent testing with a, a specialist, you're in trouble. But there are some, hey, there's some things to keep an eye on here. And when we circle back next year, let's see if we get there. I got high cholesterol. Every year they tell me, let's see you again next year. And every year I get just I'm right there where, where it's like, all right, we'll check again next year. So I'm doing a great job there. So I pat myself on the back for that. But that's something that Justin has to do, David, here is, is just understand that there are going to be um, checkpoints here in 2023 that he's going to have to reach and meet. And the Bears are going to have to be very grounded in, in, in making sure that they don't just pass him through checkpoints before he's actually passed through checkpoints. And that's being a pocket passer, right? And it's being able to hit checkdowns. And it's being able to understand that Matt Eberflus was direct publicly earlier this week and saying, look, like his scrambling ability is special, but we're trying to get him into a situation where like, let's save it for third downs or the red zone or situations. And on first and second down, just like be more willing to just take a little drop off pass, you know, and, and move on and don't expend, which I thought was interesting from Luke. Don't expend that, that mental and physical fuel that you expend when you're running around like that, because it does take away from the rest of the things that you can do over the course of a game. And then certainly over the course of a season, I know how it works. So you talk to a lot of people, as many as possible, and you grant them anonymity so they can be more honest and candid about what they see and think. And that's part of NFL reporting. That's part of, frankly, you know, sports reporting. Sometimes you have to do that. Curious, though, what was the most extreme positive? Was there most extreme negative in terms of Justin Fields' opinions when you talk to guys off the record and what they were able to say did were were there somebody who thought okay bears are really this is a losing proposition and were there others that say god i wish i had that guy no i mean like on the praise end of things i think there are people that 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 genuinely believe that if justin has the the infrastructure and the sport around him that he can be a top five quarterback in the nfl like that is what chicago has dreamed of forever but on the same token there's the idea that like he could also be the 26th or 27th best quarterback in the league for a long time and the range between those two things things is so vast and that's why i think everyone is so like fascinated to see what happens in 2023 because we're going to i think that 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 range is going to become less right like we're going to know by january like okay you know he doesn't have a chance to touch top five or there's no way he's going to be lower than 15th right i've got to say this so for for people who don't have like this emotional stake in what happens that's a great story to cover because of the, the 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 ranges right now we're sitting on the precipice of the unknown with Justin Fields, and he could be, as you say, some guys believe he could be a top five quarterback if everything comes together, or he could fizzle, and they could not surround him with the right linemen or the right, right receivers, and they could be behind in every game, and he's a bottom five 
or, or yeah. bottom 10 quarterback. And I think that possibility either way makes it a very – makes it the most compelling story there is and it could be yeah and and, and that you know that's why it was cool like to take this temperature at this point i also think it's really cool to talk to luke because you know he'll acknowledge look he spent time around aaron Rodgers, and he says that aaron sees the game like different than anyone that has ever played it but that justin has this aptitude of like being able to communicate what he sees and why he makes decisions that's headed on the track of how Aaron sees it. And that's not true of every quarterback, that there isn't always a, this is why I did X or this is why I did Y, but Justin sees it all. But then he's very real in saying like, seeing it and applying it in milliseconds play after play series after series week after week are two totally different things. And it's why the quarterback position is so fascinating to a lot of people, because you have to not only process quickly, but then you have to react quickly. And then you have to react quickly with athleticism and precision and everything else that goes involved in it to make the right play. And it's why you you go through the list of guys who have been drafted over time. And there's, you know, 10 that we could classify as elite and there's 150 that you're like yeah that guy sucked <laughs> it, it was definitely worth everyone's time it's on chicagotribune.com you want to check it out we'll have it on our twitter feed at take the north pod you'll be able to find it there easily get the link read it all and then let us know what you think with feedback via email or via the twitter machine at take the north pod or you can email us Hold on a second. Somewhere here. <laughs> <laughs> Questions at take the north. I'm sorry. Take the north at gmail.com. Take the north pod at gmail.com. I think that's the correct email address. Anything else, Dan, that we have forgotten to cover? We got through a lot of stuff. Small tease, and we'll get into this more uh, in depth next week. But the NFLPA put out a the results of a kind of a league wide poll they took of their players, which was fascinating this week leading into free agency. And I, I do like the philosophy behind this, where they, basically they're saying we have a responsibility to our players and our members of our union to give them as much information as possible as they go into free agency. If you're weighing offer A versus offer B, team A versus team B, well, now you know how players feel treated at each of the 32 organizations in the NFL. The Bears checked in at 13 of 32 in that poll, which is a pretty good showing for them. The Minnesota Vikings were number one. The reason I bring that up is because you know, to some extent, Kevin Warren fingerprints are all over some of the things amenities wise and people wise that that allowed the minnesota vikings to get a minus or above in every single category of this poll for players who genuinely feel good going to their team every single day to work like i say we'll get into this more next week because we'll be crossing that bridge into to free agency but that poll david was, was i think it was a really cool idea by the nflpa and there's some really um i guess eye-opening results within that that we can talk about next week looking forward to that also we will get to your questions we will have a mailbag segment there's just a lot going on send us your questions at at, at the our email address <laughs> take the north pod at gmail.com all right, from Indianapolis, Dan Weeder, I am in Chicago. Anything else we forgot to cover or else we'll be back next time talking about what happened at the combine over the weekend and then looking ahead to free agency. Yeah, I mean, we're there. And uh, I think, you know, just the, the relevance of the Chicago Bears right now, league-wide, is unique. <laughs> Certainly during my decade on the beat. And and, and so, like, I, I truly believe this week was kind of cool because the Bears have been very irrelevant during this event a lot of years. And so now you've got people 
seeking you out to, to pick your brain and ask you questions as, as opposed to the past where you had to track them down. They're like, who cares about the bears? And now it's like, what are they going to do? You know, and, and so you're able to, to facilitate a lot more conversations just because they got that relevance going. Download, listen, subscribe, and take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. Watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page or the Odyssey YouTube page. I'm David Hall for Dan Weeder. Thank you for listening to Take the North Pod. Great talk. See you out there.